0: Okay, <clears throat> so we uh, we've been studying in uh, we've been studying in the book of Hosea, um, recently in our in our Bible study. Um, what I'm going to attempt to do is just kind of do a um, general overview uh, of the book of Hosea. Um, I've got some, some main points I want to make uh, just from the whole book. Um, it, it's been a real blessing to study uh, in Hosea. It's uh, I've had to um, dig a little bit. Um, probably more than we were used to uh, in in our Bible study, just um, because it's uh, you know it, it's a little bit uh, trickier reading for me. I don't know about for the other guys, but um, it's it's been a, a huge blessing to read out of Hosea, and uh, um, hopefully, I can kind of share my my thoughts that I got out of the book uh, with you guys tonight. So, um, there's a few main points I want to go over from Hosea. Um, I want to talk about. Uh, the time that Hosea's uh, ministry took place, um, I'd like to talk about um, the message that Hosea was preaching um, to the people of Israel. Um, I also would like to um, touch on the main themes of that message, uh, what what that was to the people of Israel. And then uh, at the end, I kind of want to touch on how God still receives his glory. Um, and we'll, we'll, I'll get into this more as I dig into my, some of my points but um how god still receives his glory even from a people who have uh, seemingly forsaken him and uh gone and you know taken fight, uh, false idols uh in in place of god so um the time in which uh hosea prophesied um is is kind of laid out for us in hosea um chapter 1 verse 1 so i'm going to read that really quick um, the word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Biri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son uh, of Joash, king of Israel. Um, so you'll notice there are a few things. Um, he says that the, he says the kings of Judah, and there's several names he gives there. Um, there's only actually one, one king of, of Israel that's named. And I think that's important because at, at the time of, of Hosea's uh, ministry, uh, you have the, the southern kingdom of Judah and you have the northern kingdom of, of, Israel. Um, there's, there's several places in Hosea where he mentions, um, that God will have, uh, mercy on, on, on Judah, but, um, his time of judgment and wrath will come up. Upon the nation of, of Israel. Um, and I just found that interesting because he only mentions one king of Israel, which is, uh, Jer- Jeroboam. And we'll get into that more, uh, as we talk about the nature of, of Hosea's, uh, ministry and, and how God used Hosea to, um, spread, spread the message that, that God wanted Hosea to spread among Israel because that was, uh, seemingly um Hosea's main uh, audience was in the northern kingdom uh, of Israel. Um we can also kind of infer from that uh there's there's several kings named there uh from Judah and you can kind of infer from that that Hosea seemingly had a relatively long ministry. Um he he seemed to um have an extended period of time where he was preaching uh and and prophesying a really similar message to the people of Israel and kind of just an application I pulled from that is um, in the book of Hosea, his primary message through the entire book is repent, 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 and that God's judgment is coming to Israel. I mean, and it's it's almost as if he's saying it's too late, like you have continually gone astray. And to me, that just shows... um the great uh, perseverance that Hosea had and the fact that even from a very young age, he seemingly was teaching and prophesying the exact same message, which was constantly one of repentance, one of turning away from um, sin and false idols. And that was just something that uh, stuck out to me that, um, you know, we're not all, our our calling and what God is asking us to do is not always the easiest path. Um but we're still called to do it. And and it seems as though Hosea, uh, Hosea um came to that call and met that calling for God every time and was very faithful uh, in in continuing to call Israel out and call Israel to repentance, even for a very extended period of time. Um, another thing is Hosea because it, it seems as though he had a very long ministry um, that also more than likely worked to his advantage because from a year, very young age he was preaching and he had his his zeal that he had in his youth and he was preaching the same message that he would have preached well into his older years which would have come with more wisdom and, and more uh, refined ability to um, preach this gospel to, uh, to the, the people of Israel. Um <clears throat> At the time of of Hosea's uh, teaching to Israel, uh, 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 Israel was in a constant and continuous state of sin. Um, so I kind of want to flip over to Hosea 4, verse 1, um, to kind of illustrate that point. Um, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy, with the inhabitants of the land because there's no truth nor mercy nor knowledge of God in the land and uh i just picked that particular verse because i feel like that sums it up pretty um thoroughly just the um the depraved state that israel had kind of collapsed into um there was no mercy there was no knowledge um it was it was really a pretty open rebellion against god uh, at the time of hosea's uh earthly ministry um uh let's see so hosea's um hosea's main message with that in mind that uh israel was a uh, a nation that was in open rebellion against god um <coughs> his that was in fact hosea's main message was that um this was an evil and adulterous uh generation and we can see that if we flip back over to Uh, Hosea chapter one, we see that right there in verse two. Uh, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go take the, go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom departing from the Lord. Um, uh, Hosea had a a pretty unique, uh, ministry in that, um, he was not only called to um preach verbally uh to, to the children of Israel, but God even called him to marry uh Gomer, uh who was an adulterous wife. Uh and, and the children that Hosea had with Gomer were all meant to be uh serve as as um, as signs and as symbols of uh the sin that that Israel was continually falling into. Um, Hosea was called to do that, probably, I mean, undoubtedly would not have chosen that, but was still commanded to do that and still faithfully did that just because God commanded it and because it was a tool that God used. Um, not that, not that, um, God can't use other means, but it was a, that's a very, uh, drastic measure it seems like that Israel is so sinful that I'm going to take one of my prophets who is supposed to be my mouthpiece and make him to marry an adulterous wife just to show you how, um, how repulsive uh, your actions are to me. Um, and not only that but as I said uh, Hosea's children um, God used to uh, God used to show the sin of Israel um, and I'll, I'll get into those, uh, here in just a moment. But, um, Hosea's message is, uh, is a very strong plea for the people of Israel to listen to his warnings. Um, we can see in, in verse, uh, or I'm sorry, in chapter four, verse one, hear the word of the Lord. Um, hear this, uh, in, in, uh, chapter five, verse one, uh, chapter six, verse one, come uh he's he he seems to be very intent on grabbing Israel's attention and and trying to um uh get them to see their folly and get them to repent um and as i said uh Hosea named uh his his children uh names that that made them uh they would stand out obviously but but mostly they were names that God Told Hosea to use to um to signify the sin of of Israel. So Hosea and Gomer had three children, um, the first of which was uh Jezreel, uh, and y'all y'all are gonna have to forgive me on these names, but I think it's Lo Ru Hama and Lo Lo am I. Lo am I. Um, uh, all of Hosea's children's names were meant to show God's uh, judgment toward his people. Um, let's see, I'm going to flip back over to chapter one here. Um, and it's in verse four. And the Lord said unto unto him, call his name Jezreel, speaking to uh, Hosea uh, for yet a little while. And I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu. Will cause and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. So um, if we flip to um I'm gonna flip over to Second Kings here in just a minute, but um Jezreel's name uh is meant to represent the controversy uh that God had with the house of Jehu, uh who King Jeroboam uh was a descendant of. So if we flip over to 2nd Kings, verse t- uh, chapter 10, 2nd Kings, chapter 10, I'm going to read uh, in verse, going to read, uh, let's see, going to read verse 30 through 31. And this is talking about the controversy that that God that God has with um, with Jehu, uh, and the Lord said unto Jehu, Because thou hast done well in the execution that which is right in mine eyes, and hast done unto the house of Ahab according to all that was in mine heart, thy children of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. But Jehu took no heed to the walk. But Jehu took no heed to walk. In the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart, for he departed not from sins of Jeroboam, which made Israel to sin. Um, so, uh, Jehu did follow God's commandment. Um, he, he went and he, um, he, uh, uh he conquered, uh, the house of Ahab, um, but he did not do it with, uh, with the right intentions, with the right heart, and, uh, he did not continue afterwards to walk, uh, to walk with the law uh, of God. And so because of that, um, God has a controversy with Jehu. And that, that would be the, the, um, that would be the reasoning for, uh, Hosea giving his son the name of, uh, Jezreel, which was, um, the place in which that, that took place. Um, most of, uh, most of Hosea's messages uh, would have been in, in the latter years uh, of, of Israel's uh, nationhood, uh, 30 years uh, during the, the last 30 years of, of Israel's nationhood uh, up until its collapse uh, at about uh, 722 B.C. Uh, I'm going to flip back over to Hosea now. Um, and I'll, I'm going to touch on The the main themes uh, of Hosea's message. Um, one of the main themes is the, the breaking, uh, of the covenant, uh, that, that the people of Israel had with God. Um, we can see that in, in Hosea chapter 11, verses one and two. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called him son and called him my son out of Egypt. And they and they called them, and they went from them. They sacrificed unto Balaam and burnt incest to graven images. Um, they had made a, a covenant with God when He brought them out of e- out of Egypt, uh, out of captivity, and and there was a continuous breaking of that covenant um, that they had with God. Um, they also um, st- uh, took on false false idols, uh, other gods. And we can see that in uh, chapter 13, uh, verse 23. I'm sorry, uh, verses 2 and 3. And now they send more and more and have made them molten images of their silver and idols according to their own understanding, all of it the work of the craftsmanship. They, they say of them, let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. Therefore they shall be as the morning cloud and as the early dew that passeth away, as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the flower, and as the smoke out of the chimney. Um, in in contrast to that, um what Hosea would have um Israel to do um in, in, in contrast to breaking the covenant with God and and uh Taking on false, false idols. Uh, We can see in, in Hosea chapter six, uh, one and three. Um, come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us, and he hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us, and the third day he will raise us up. We shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. And, and also we can see uh, in, in uh, chapter 10, verse 12. Sow yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Uh, Hosea's message is used to show um, the long-suffering nature of God and, that, uh, and God's great mercy towards his people. Um, Hosea points out the judgment that is coming to Judah and Israel, uh, but he also gives them hope uh, and a merciful statement that in their affliction, uh, they will seek after God's face. Um, in, in Hosea, Chapter 5, uh, verse 9 through 15 is what I always like to read from. Uh, it reads, Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of rebuke. Among the tribes of Israel have I made known that which shall surely be. The princes of Judah were like them that removed the bond. Therefore, I will pour out my wrath upon them like water. Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment because he willingly walked after the commandment. Therefore will I be unto Ephraim as a, as a moth and to the house of Judah as rottenness. When Ephraim saw his, his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to Assyria and sent to King Jerob. Yet could he not heal you nor cure you of your wound. For I will be unto Ephraim as a lion and as a young lion to the house of Judah. I, I, even I, will tear and go away I will take away and none shall rescue him. I will go and return to my place till, till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. Um, so, so even there in their affliction, um, God is saying they, they will seek me, um, whenever I pour out my wrath upon them. Uh, it, it's not enough for, for Hosea to, to seemingly warn them and, and beg them for uh, of repentance and for them to, to return to God. But um in God's judgment and, and uh just justice towards Israel, they will turn back uh and, and seek me early. Uh we can learn from Hosea that God is just to forgive us of our sins if we go before the throne of grace with humility. Um in uh, Hosea fourteen verse four we read I will hear I will hear, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely for mine anger is turned away from him. Uh, and also just to go along with with that verse there, I'd like to read out of uh, out of Matthew 6 um, 28 through 34. <clears throat> this is uh, Matthew six twenty-eight through thirty-four. Uh, it reads, "And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow; how they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Therefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which, to de- which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye? O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying that what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, and for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is evil thereof." Um, if, if Israel would have um, and if we will um, take no heed to uh, things of the world and, and distractions that, that we run into, um, God, God is uh, faithful to provide all of those things that we need. Um, but we, need, we have to put God's law and God's commandment first. And that's what, what Israel did not do. Uh, and it eventually led to their, um, led to their judgment And God's anger being poured out on them. Um, and, uh, finally, uh, the, the last point I want to make from Hosea, uh, just to kind of go along with that is, is in following God's commandments, uh, we glorify God. Uh, we, we give God the glory. We, we don't take any, um, we don't take any, uh, any credit for any blessings that we have, God God provides all of that for us uh, because we're not we're not supposed to worry about the things uh, of the earth. Um, and and in and in following God's commandments, we can glorify God. But even when we do not follow God's commandment, God's commandment uh, in the end, God always receives His glory, um, and that is what what happens here at the end of uh, Hosea uh, in chapter fourteen of Hosea. In verse eight and nine, uh, it, it reads, "Ephraim sh- shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard them and observed. Hi- I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree; from me is thy fruit found. Who is wise and shall understand these things? Prudent, he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein." Uh, Even, even in, um, even in continually, uh, going against God's commandments, uh, at the end, God still brings Israel to a place that glorifies him because it says that Ephraim shall say, what have I any more to do with idols and anything other than, than God? Um, uh, even in their, even in their transgressions, God is able to bring the glory back to himself. Uh, through chastising them and, and bringing them back to, into his fold. Uh, and, and in that, it, it really is incredible how God can use, um, the prophet Hosea, um, to, to minister and to, um, continually try to preach on seemingly deaf ears. And even if the ears are deaf, even in that, uh, God's justice and God's judgment are sufficient Fully sufficient to continually bring glory um, to God, and it's just uh, it was really pretty awe-inspiring to, to to read that and to study in Hosea, and uh, it's been it's been a again it's been kind of a challenging book to to dig into, but um, just the the nature of God is, is revealed pretty powerfully in this book, and it's been a, a great blessing to me, and I hope it was to you guys as well. Thank you.
1: All right. So, like Reed said, it's uh, been a great uh, blessing going through uh, Hosea, um, and also, like he said, um, it is probably the most difficult book that we have gone through, uh, just in terms of the amount of of uh, of digging um, and really just meditation that it took to understand each passage, each week. Um, but uh, the passage that kind of stood out the most to me uh, that I'd like to um, talk to you guys about is uh, Hosea 10, uh, verse 12. Uh, Reed already read it, uh, but uh, I'd like to expound a little bit more on it if I can. Um, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and reign righteousness upon you. Um, so breaking up uh, your fallow ground, and this is uh, like Reed was talking about, or kind of in the overview, um, you know, to understand what Hosea is saying here, we have to understand what Israel, um, you know, where Israel is at at this point. Uh, you know, they're uh, pretty much coming off of the prosperity of Solomon. Uh, they're wealthy. They're um, prospering. I mean, there uh, there are several passages in here that that speak to their wealth and to um, just their prosperity. But in that state of prosperity, something happened to Israel. Um, they begin to care more for the things or for the things that were making them prosperous and re- less for. God, less for His character uh, or for His commandments. So we see um, that those that still tried to worship God, those that were not worshiping idols, uh, were persecuted in that time. Uh, You actually look at uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Hear ye this, O priests, and hearken ye house of Israel, Give ye ear, O house of the king, for judgment is toward you because ye have been a snare on Mizpah and a net spread on Tabor. Um, and basically what uh, what all of that means is those are two mountains outside of Israel and there's uh, kind of the way that they tell it is that Jeroboam would set spies up on top of the mountains and when those you know true children of God would go out to worship, they were reported so that they could be persuaded to either, uh, you know, follow the same idols or, you know, persecuted. Um, And the biggest takeaway, and it kind of came to me today as I was thinking about it, these idols that Israel had created, um, these little g-gods, were created to fill the areas where they found God's provision insufficient. Um, and I know we can, it's so easy to fall into this and the, my point of reading all of this and kind of giving you where Israel was at, um, we can read a book like Hosea and we can say, well, those silly Israelites, God told them how many times he sent the judges, he sent, you know, these kings and they were, they were instructed, instructed. And you know what? They deserve that. And, before we go that far, we really have to look in, look in the mirror and see there's nothing new under the sun. We do the same thing. Um, ours just isn't a golden calf or a little silver calf that we sit on a mantelpiece and kiss. But ours is in our heart where we say, this will satisfy over the commandments of God. I've got to have this. His provision is not sufficient for me in this area. Um, it could be with singleness, you know, I'm gonna chase after this for all, you know, their red flags may pop up. People may tell me, no, I'm going full bore because that's gonna satisfy me. Uh, it could be with, you know, with work. I've gotta have, you know, there's no good church in that area. I'm taking that job anyway because that will satisfy me. If I just get that much money, if I get, you know, my 50 acres of land, if I get all of these things that we think That's going to satisfy me. Um, And it doesn't. Um, You talk to anybody that's lived long enough uh, and has chased that rabbit, even if they catch it, they find out it's there's nothing there, and you run after the next thing. Um, So we put just the maximum emphasis on these things um, that in the end hold nothing, so breaking up our fallow ground. You know, the fallow ground is um it's not a word that we use today, but that's a an area that has not been plowed very often. It's grown up with briars, there's thorns, it's tough. It's uh you imagine pushing a plow through uh through an area with briars and a bunch of stub uh stumps. Um you can probably talk to the Davises on how many uh, tractors and stuff they're messing up on their property trying to deal with the stumps they've got out there. And that's with equipment, uh, much less a plow. So imagine pushing against that and breaking up that fallow ground. Well, that's, that's what we do in our hearts every day because it's, it's something that you can look up and before you know it, um, you know, reread the passage that their sickness is, it was like a moth. Well, if a moth gets into your clothes, you don't know that the moth's been there until you go to put the shirt on and you've got a huge hole in your favorite shirt. Um, it's too late at that point. Well, that's the same way that our hearts are with idolatry. We we look up and we're frustrated and we see, how did I get here? It's because you you said God is not, His provision is not sufficient for me here. So I'm going, you know, forget this. I can do it. I can, I can make it to this if I just catch this. Um, and God judges Israel for that. It was foolishness. Um, we, we ought not to read the, any kind of passage like this and think that can't happen to us. It, it is us, brothers and sisters. It's us every single day. It's us every single week. Um, every month of every year. Um, And that is, uh, uh, but with all that negative, um, there's the positive. Uh, So, sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. Um, Break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Chase after righteousness. Run headlong after righteousness because God is is, uh, full of grace and is there to provide. Um, He's promised to provide what we need, not what we want. And I feel like that's where we often get, you know, our satisfaction is not God's key concern. It's our holiness. Um, And that is, you know, through through trials, through good times, um, these kind of things are are uh, actually sometimes harder harder to practice. Even in the good times, when things are going well, um, that's the easiest time to forget God. Um, but just running after the righteousness of God, um, just and just like we see at the beginning of this book, Hosea pursued after Gomer. He went and took her back again and she left and he took her back again. That is God to us. So there is there is hope no matter how many times we falter, no matter how many times we mess up. God is pursuing after us. I, I love uh, what Lewis talks about in, uh, in the Psalms. He is violently hunting us down. Um, that is, uh, you know, so sow mercy, chase or chase after righteousness. Uh sow righteousness, under yourself righteousness. But chase after righteousness, and you will reap in mercy. Um we serve a merciful God that is violently hunting us down to show us mercy all the days of our life. Um so I hope that was a, a blessing to you guys. Um uh, and uh appreciate y'all uh, giving us the opportunity to share what we uh what we've learned through uh through this book.
2: Turn to Hosea chapter 14, it's where I'm going to stay at, camp out. I may flip to one or two different passages, but for the most part, this is where I'll stay. So I'm going to read the passage and then we'll dig into it. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words, and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity, and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Asher shall not save us, we will not ride upon horses. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, ye are our gods. For in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. I will heal heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as a lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as a corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree, for me is a fruit found. Who is wise, and he shall understand these things, prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein. So what I want to take from this passage and what I think the passage is getting at is is repentance. That's a big theme in the book of Hosea. That's the message to Israel. They've fallen in their iniquity. They are rebelling against God and they've turned to their idols. They've forsaken him, the the fountain of living waters. And here in chapter 14 at the end of a book that is just, you know, we've, we've read a lot of the passages about mercy and grace and, And those are great passages. I think that's why we've gone to those, because those are the passages that are a little bit more easy on the ears. And that's natural. But this book, the reason it was so difficult is because the message is continually destruction, judgment. You know, you broke the covenant, and you're going to pay the consequences for it. And then at the end of the book, this is such an outlier that some modern-day critics, of course, they're, they're of no count, They say that this couldn't have been written by the same person because it's too different from the whole book. The the inserts of of mercy, they seem so out of place at times. But, uh, again, like I said, those modern-day scholars that, that say such things are really of no count because this is the God that we know, the God who can be... At the same time, pronouncing judgment, and at the same time, showing mercy, because God is not like us. He doesn't have to um, cool off, you know, like we have to do whenever we get angry. Usually, it's not righteous anger. Usually, it's a, a mixture, if at best. But God is not like that. He uh, He's perfect in anger and perfect in mercy. Now, my point in getting to all this is um, this topic is pertinent to every single Christian because every single one of us, if we haven't already, if we're not in that position, even tonight, are possibly uh, liable to backslide. We're liable to sin against God. We are liable to forsake his commandments and we're liable to neglect his covenant and a lot of times whenever that happens um, Satan when our flesh really will whisper into our ear and say you know there's no way that God can forgive you after this time there's no hope there's no way that you can turn to God now you're just too dirty you're too sinful there's there's no hope just stay where you're at and you know Despair, you know, as as uh, in Pilgrim's Progress, Christian and hopeful, they they went off of the path. If you recall from that story, they went off the path. They crossed over by Meadow, whatever the name of it was, I don't quite recall. But and they go onto the easier path that was easier onto their feet, and they trespassed onto uh, Giant Despair's land. And when he found them there, of course the the flood started to come up, and they started to try to go back. But as they were trying to go back, the giant despair caught them on his land, and he took them to uh, Doubting Castle, where they were stayed and they where they stayed in chains, and they were beaten and uh, near to the point of death, to where they thought even of taking their own lives. But the key that they used to get out of Doubting Castle was one that Pilgrim, after many days of being beaten and despairing of life and thinking of taking their own lives. Uh, Christian found the key, which was called promise, in his coat. And that promise is what we have here. I think that that's why this passage has been so, just, it's jumped off of the page. It's been running through my mind to where, you know, um, it, it's really been an um, ointment to my soul, if you, if you will. But without further ado on that, that's a long introduction, so I don't know how much of this I'll exactly get to. But the first thing that he says, before I go into that, sorry to backtrack again, but my point is the promise of God. And where do we find the promise of God? We find it in his word. Now, that's where we're going to look. He says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. And as we read throughout the book of Hosea, the Israelites are given to idolatry. They're murderers. They're liars. They have, there's no mercy nor truth. These are are wicked people. Uh, and such were some of us, obviously. And we're susceptible to those same, th- same things. But this is what he says. He says, Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, so will we render the calves of our lips. Asher shall not save us, we will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, ye are our gods, for in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. And if I would just, if I can, just take that step by step. First, God gives us directions to repentance. He commands us to repent. If we think that there's not a door, there is, because God says, turn to the Lord thy God and repent. And this is what he says, take with you words. Now, is that just any words or vain words? It's not. I mean, we know from the context of Scripture, that's confession. That's the confession of our sins. That's the admittance of guilt. That is the beginning of repentance is acknowledging what God says and saying, yes, Lord, I've sinned. I've done this evil in your sight. I've sinned against you. Take away all iniquity. Because... No matter what services I can do, no matter what, how many times I can go to church, no matter how many times I can read the Bible and pull myself up by my bootstraps or gird up my loins and and work as hard as possible, none of that wipes the score. None of that takes away any iniquity. I'm still covered in my sin and my righteousness is but filthy rags. So, Lord, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. Now, the wording on that is a little bit confusing, but what it simply means is receive us good. Receive us for good. And what I take that to mean is take away all iniquity and do the exact opposite. You take the iniquity and you fill us with good. You receive us for good. Because we give up our sin, we turn from our sin, we turn to you, and you fill us with your stores of mercy. You fill us with... The the precepts of your law, you fill us with love to you, and that is our trade. We repent from our iniquity, and we turn to God, and we find goodness. And there's obviously uh, a little bit of context here. They say, Asher shall not save us. That's Assyria. And then we will not ride upon horses. That's Egypt, uh, Egypt the Egyptians. Um, which is simply to say, just to put it in, in modern terms, I abandon all vain hopes, all hopes that I put my, uh, or all the things I put my hope in, these, these powers outside that I was sending money to, to get protection, to get aid, to trade for wealth, uh, the idols that we made to, you know, to, uh, to try to be more prosperous, to try to, um, Prosper above that which we are uh, currently, uh, above the level that we're currently at. We will not say any more to the work of our hands, ye are our gods. Why? For in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. These idols, whether it is Assyria, whether it's Egypt, or whether it's the works that we make of our own hands, like Caleb said, in our modern day age, we think we're so much more sophisticated because we don't set up uh you know some carved image instead it's it's my job or it's my money or it's my you know my family, even you know it can be those things instead, we look to those things which I think is quite more foolish than what they were doing, at least they were looking to what they thought were gods, but we look to things that we know are temporal, things that we know can flee like birds from our sight. Uh, you could say that they're equally foolish. But the case is still the same, whether for them or whether for us. Only in God do we find mercy. We don't find deliverance. We don't find truth or justice in anything else. It's only in God. And now we find uh, these, this is the directions for repentance in verses 1 to 3. And in verse 4, we have the promise of Repentance. And backsliding here, if you look in verse 4, it says, I will heal their backsliding. Uh, We can think of that sometimes very lightly. You know, somebody is just a little bit less passionate about the things of the Lord. We call that backsliding, and it is to a certain degree. But the word here, backsliding, is uh, a synonym for the word apostasy, which is turning away. They turned away from God, they turned to their idols, and he says, I will heal their backsliding. And I don't know about you know for you, but that word just adds an extra layer to the to the promise here. The great lengths of which God is willing to go okay. to forgive and to heal and to take those that come to Him with a penitent, penitent heart, in a condition where they beg for the pity and mercy of God to take them and to bind up their wounds, and to love them freely. And that just means with abundance. I will love them abundantly, more than you could ever ask or think, more than you could have ever imagined. For mine anger is turned away from him. And really, that's an amazing thought when we stop to think about it. Those three things, you really can't hardly pick one to camp out on, and you really could spend a whole night camping out on, one of those individually, but uh, we don't have the time for that. But we have the promise of God. And this is a timeless promise. As he says in one of the other minor prophets, I believe it is, I am God and not man. therefore, And I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. God is still the same merciful God. God still receives penitent, sinners. And there's no changing. There's no variableness nor shadow of changing with him, but he's constant and consistent. And as we see in verses five through six, he doesn't just forgive and leave us to ourselves after that. No, he, he puts his love to work, so to speak. And his people, um, he will be as the dew unto Israel. And the dew, of course, uh, was, again, that's more of an agrarian term, uh, and I don't know too much about farming, but the dew was widely how they, uh, they got their plants watered since they don't have that much rain in that area. But anyways, that's really unnecessary or besides the point. But the point mainly being God will be the source of their production. God will be the source of their prosperity. And it says here, they will grow as the lily, they shall spread their roots as the cedars of Lebanon, they shall be as the olive tree. Now what's the significance of those things? Well, Reed mentioned that passage in Matthew 6, the beauty of the, the lily, the child of God once he's cleansed, once he's made to seek after God, he's as beautiful as the lily. He is as firm and as, uh he's as firm as the cedars of Lebanon where the branches or the uh the roots dig deeper into the ground than the branches do come out of the ground. Um, and then he is as the olive tree, which is an evergreen tree that bears fruit in cold and in warmth. And his smell as Lebanon, which uh, reminds me of that passage in Ephesians 6 where we're giving off the sweet aroma of Christ or the pleasant aroma of Christ to God. And the... uh I'm going to fast forward through this because it's getting a little bit later and end with uh, with verses 8 and 9. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree, for me is the fruit found. Who is wise and he shall understand these things. When we compare and contrast the blessings of repentance and the folly of disobedience and headstrong sin you know, against God, rebellion against Him. There's really no question, at least from a logical point of view, which one we would take, but we're not logical. Uh, we're obviously fallen under sin, but the motivation behind this is not simply, I'll get this, I'll get this, I'll get that, as long as I just turn to God and I confess my sins and I forsake them then I'll get all these things from God, and that sounds like a pretty great deal. No, the point of repentance is, as we see here, you can almost hear the regret coming off of the pages. Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. That's not the sound of somebody looking to make a bargain. It's not the sound of somebody who is just believing on God so that I don't have to go to hell. That's the sound of somebody who is filled with sorrow for their sin and not the sorrow that's brought under the law, the sorrow that they see their their just deserts, their punishment, but it's the sorrow that works life. It's the sorrow that acknowledges what we've done against God, and it's the sorrow that out of love towards him and faith in him turns to him. You see, all of this outside of love all of this, we, we turn to God, we confess, we, we can do all of that. We can follow the steps here. And if it's outside of love, then it's absolutely worthless. It's worthless because what God's looking for here is not for people that will, you know, plumb their lapels and straighten their tie and walk in, you know, in in ironed clothes and straightened garments or what have you that are just parading around their own righteousness this is a call to repentance so that people would find their delight and love in Him and glorify Him for His mercy. I skipped over this part, but in verse 2 it says, so will we render the calves of our lips, because that's all we have to offer. All we have to offer to God is, is praise for what He's done for us. And if we forget that, then we are very, very liable to end up where we look up one day and we go, what happened? How have I been trapped in this sin? How am I so far from God? Well, it says in Revelation, ye have forgotten your first love. And if we remember our first love, if we remember what He's done for us, if you look in the epistles, He talks about such were some of you, you know, the extortioners, liars, this, that, and the other. He talks about what they were before God brought them to repentance. And this point of repentance is continual, but it's, it's also something that we look back on and we think, I was such a dirty, rotten sinner. And God had so much mercy on me. How could I ever turn away from him? That's God's motivation to Israel all the time, what he uses. He says, I brought you out of Egypt. I put you under my wing. I loved you. I've made a covenant with you and with your fathers. And that's why they're compared to an unfaithful spouse, an, an, an adulterer, a whore, because they turned away from the one that loved them, that gave them everything. And if we can remember what God has done for us, if we can remember the love, if we can, as Jude says, keep ourselves in the love of God, remember and think on it and ponder it, it doesn't do much good if it's just sitting on a bookshelf and we say, yes, God loves me, but... You know, I'm really going through a tough time, and that doesn't mean so much right now because I'm 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 kind of struggling, but I'll say a prayer so that I can check that off of the list. But I'm really going to turn to Assyria or turn to Egypt for my help. And then I'll pray to God whenever it doesn't work out. No. It He's the center and source of our life. And He is the center and source of our thoughts and our emotion our, our, our love. You know. And It ends with who is wise and he shall understand these things, prudent and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. And Israel was not wise. We have their example. They fell, they were taken over by Assyria, they were utterly wiped out. And in the chapter just previous, he talks about the horrible things that happened to the Israelites. And all of those things happened. As examples, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, that we should not be as them. They were a forgetful people. They were bent towards backsliding. And we would be wise to remember God's mercy, remember God's grace, not as things that we just hang on the wall as if they're just abstract doctrinal points that we know, but they are the the gas, the gasoline in our car, so to speak. They're, they're what make us run. The just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. Let us seek to be wise, seek to follow after and to know the Lord, for his going forth is prepared as the morning. And I, I pray that this has been beneficial. I do appreciate the time. I know it's late. And it's Wednesday night and a lot of you. Work today, and I hope that it didn't go too long. But I thank you for your attention.
3: Well, very thankful for all three of those. It it obviously did go longer than normal, but uh, let me say this what you heard tonight were three messages that they didn't put together five minutes before they came into the door. These guys have been digging into the Word. And I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, I praise the Lord for His blessings on it. But every time, you can see it get better and better and better and better. And when I say better, I don't mean entertaining. When I say better, I mean... These guys are flying all over Hosea putting these messages together because they've been digging into the book. So I'm very, very thankful for that. I appreciate your work, guys. It's an encouragement to me. and I know it's an encouragement to the congregation. Let's uh, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we are uh, thankful for the way that you have uh, blessed the uh, messages tonight. We do thank you that you... um, that you are continuing to bless um, another generation to love your word, to dig into your word, to uh, mine the riches that are there, and then just for their ability to be able to communicate that to us. Uh, We pray you would continue that work. Uh, We pray that we would be good stewards of the treasure that you've given us uh, in Scripture. And then we pray that you would apply these things to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.